Well, this morning, we're talking about fasting. Fasting, fasting, fasting. You know, we got a, actually, I was talking to Katie yesterday. We got a series coming up uh, called The Untouchables, where we're going to talk about topics in church we don't normally talk about or that make people uncomfortable, um, which is going to be fun. I like uncomfortable. It's going to be good. Uh, and fasting isn't, you know, we've talked about it here for, for several years now um, on, a, on a regular basis, uh, but on the whole isn't talked about as, as much as it's mentioned in Scripture, as much even as it's practiced in Scripture. Uh, but throughout history, there's been times of uh, great corporate fasts when they were called. There was this period of time I, I was reading about the other day. It was in 1756. Uh, there was potential war going to go on between England and France. And uh, France, on the front end of the war, seemed as though they were going to have a lot more uh, uh, troops than the English. And so the English uh, uh, army, as well as the, the citizens, were very scared about the potential of what this war would be. And so then in 1756, they looked out and they could see the French amassing their troops uh, for what seemed like they were going to cross uh, the channel and come in to invade England. And so the king of England uh, did something that is very unique in our perspective in today's day and time. He called for a national fast and prayer that God would supernaturally intercede and stop the French from invading. And so they dropped to their knees that particular one day. They didn't eat uh, any food, and they fasted and prayed as a nation together jointly. Uh, and what, we have a unique perspective from this because there was a great preacher, a man named John Wesley, was living there at the time, and he wrote about that in his uh, journal. He wrote, the fast day was a glorious day, such as London has scarce seen since the restoration. Every church in the city was more than full, and a solemn seriousness set on every face. He's, the churches not just were more than full, but they were filled to capacity, standing all around the outside. People outside the buildings on the steps leading up, so they opened all the doors so everyone could hear what was being said inside. Because everyone wanted to appeal to the Lord that day. And so as they prayed, as they fasted, they woke up the next day. And the French hadn't invaded. Not only had they not invaded, they had retreated from their own coast and were no longer in sight on the other side of the channel. And so Wesley wrote, uh, uh, following that, he said, humility, humility in, in coming to fast and pray before the Lord, humility was turned into national rejoicing for the threatened invasion was averted. It was stopped as a direct result of fasting and prayer. You know, as a church, we have been doing this, this, this corporate fast together. This is our third year that we've been doing it. We started it in, uh, well, if you can count backwards, right, 2021. And during that period of time, we have seen the Lord do some phenomenal things in our church. God brought us both, Amanda and Jared, during that period of time. God has brought us well over a hundred salvations 
during that time. Absolutely. Somewhere in the range of 115, 120, I believe, salvations. And nearly uh, 200 complete decisions for the Lord, whether salvations or baptisms or, or uh, rededications during that time. You see, what we're going to see today as we examine the scripture is what exactly fasting does. I mean, you can le read scripture and you can see people fast, I mean, from the beginning all the way through to the end, and, and you can say, okay, fasting, you know, it's, it's, it's doing something. It's like a, a spiritual superpower, but we don't really understand how it works and why, why you know, it, it is able to accomplish what it does. What does fasting do exactly? Well, we're going to look at that today. Not, we're going to look at it from the words of Jesus and from someone who was actually doing a fast and what they did themselves. So we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is where we're going to start. Now, it's also going to be, on the, it's going to be up here on the screens. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 4, Matthew 6, and then we're going to spend most of our time in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and that's on page 372 if you want to go ahead and turn there if you're using the Pew Bible. But in Matthew chapter 4, uh, Jesus has not yet begun his public ministry. Uh, he's about 30 years old at this time. Uh, he has been at home, taking care of stuff at home, doing some things here and there. Uh, we don't know a whole lot about that period of time because it's not really written about. But he begins his public ministry with this unique thing. Matthew chapter 4 starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So Jesus didn't eat for 40 days. And he goes out there to the wilderness by himself to fast and to be tempted, spend time in prayer, and the enemy came to him and brought him great temptation. Now, we believe, because Jesus did this, you know, uh, uh, when he did it in his ministry, the very beginning, before everything started, that Jesus is fasting in preparation for what's coming. He, he, he is fasting, uh, uh, preparing, you know, his physical body, but the world itself in prayer for what is about to take place over the next couple of years as he begins his ministry. But then he says something very specific about fasting in Matthew chapter 6, a couple pages over, down in verse 16. Jesus said, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Now, there was a group of people in their uh, religious practice who fasted. You know, Jews were supposed to fast. Uh, they had instituted fast twice a year during some specific celebrations. But this particular group in their uh, religion took it upon themselves to institute a fast twice a week, uh, as though they're called out later on uh, 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 throughout this course of uh, discourse about fasting, um, they did it to show how holy they were. It probably started as, as something absolutely, uh, uh, you know, seeking the Lord, but it turned into something completely different. And they would do it to show off how holy they were. Because they weren't just fasting 
to seek God during those periods. What Jesus is saying here, he, this is something they actually did, we have it in history, is, is they would make themselves look terrible, as though showing everybody how they feel because they're fasting. And so they would uh, make themselves look bad. They wouldn't wash their faces. Uh, they would put dirt on themselves. Some of them put ashes on themselves. They would walk around in torn up clothes as though to say, look, I am fasting today. I am so holy. You're not because you're obviously not fasting, so you don't care about God. And so look at me and how holy I am. And so Jesus is saying, when you fast, don't do that. He says, these people are hypocrites. They're acting like this and dressing like this so that people can look at them. He said the, the attention that they get from people is all the reward they're going to get. They're not going to get attention from God because they're not really doing it for God. They say they're doing it for God, but they're not. They're doing it for people to look at them. They're doing it for people to pay attention to them. And so because they're doing it for people to pay attention to them, when people do pay attention to them, that's all they're going to get. They're not doing it for God at all. And so Jesus says they've received their reward in full. Look at the next verse, verse 17. He says, but when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So anoint your, you know, they would say, get ready for the day, that anointing your head, washing your face, you know, don't show it off like you're actually out there doing it. You're doing it for God, so it doesn't matter if anybody else is seeing it. You're not doing it for their attention. You're not doing it to be seen. You're doing it because it's a spiritual practice to be done for God. But I want to point out something. Jesus says it twice. He says it in verse 16 and in verse 17. He says, when you fast. You see, for Jesus, his expectations for his followers was at some point they would be fasting. He doesn't say if you fast. He says when. He expects his followers to do this at some point from time to time. There's another time when, when the Pharisees come and they call out Jesus' disciples because they're not fasting yet. And Jesus says, they don't need to fast. I'm right here with them physically. He says, but when I leave, they will do that. We see it all throughout the book of Acts. The disciples fasting, seeking the Lord for some direction in a specific area of what they're doing. And so they would fast in those occasions. And so Jesus, there in Matthew chapter 6, expects his followers to fast. But we also see there that it's a personal spiritual discipline, a personal spiritual practice that is expected by Jesus. But how we fast, and honestly what we fast from, is between us and God. There are times of called fast, which is what we're you know, doing now, a called fast. We, we, uh, we're going to see it in just a second in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, but there's other times, Ezra, uh, uh, as well as um, uh, in the New Testament. Like I mentioned, the, the, the church fasting, giving direction from the Lord uh, when it's a group and corporate fast. Uh, uh, but on the whole, it is still a personal practice, even when it's a called fast, that we follow the Lord and what he has. And so uh, the decision that we make as to exactly how we fast and what we fast from is always to be guided by the Lord and what the Lord would have us do. You know, I'm fasting as, as we've had a, a, a called group fast for the church 
uh, from water, or, or drinking only water and, eating, and not eating any meat. Uh, we get that from Daniel chapter 10, uh, where he received a vision from the Lord, didn't understand it, and he was trying to uh, uh, get direction from the Lord. He wanted the Lord to tell him what that meant. He wanted uh, the Lord to show him what that was. And so he did that for three weeks. He didn't eat meat, uh, and it said he didn't drink wine, which ties into Daniel chapter 1 in the language there, which says he only drank water. Uh, and so that's where we get that from for three weeks. That's why we're doing this. For th- we started last week, and to go on through uh, uh, the 20 uh, seconds, we're going to have our feast. Um, and so we're going to have that feast, that meal, Lynette, on the 22nd. Um, if y'all were right, I think it was last year, wasn't it, Lynette? Uh, uh, maybe that's what the fast was for. God gave you supernatural strength that morning. Uh, Lynette uh, remembered that morning that we were eating, and somehow in 30 minutes she had a whole meal done with three different kinds of meat. I don't know how in the world you did it, but it was miraculous, uh, and it was good. It, was so, it wasn't just because we hadn't had meat in three weeks. It was really good. Uh, and, uh, and so we'll have that on the 22nd. Uh, but we're doing, so I'm doing that, a bu- I know a bunch of you guys are doing that, but I know some of you guys are doing something a little bit different than that, uh, uh, as directed by the Lord, directed by uh, uh, how you feel God guiding you, and absolutely do what God leads you to do, always. If God's telling you to do one thing and somebody else is telling you to do something else, always go with God, always. Don't listen to somebody else. If God's telling you to do something, do what God tells you to do, because I guarantee you, God is the only one that matters when it comes to bringing uh, uh, satisfaction to someone. Follow the Lord in his guidance and where he would have you go. And in the same respect, if you see someone out and about in town and you're doing the Daniel fast, you know, not, uh, not eating meat, only drinking water, and you see someone getting a Coke, don't go, I can't believe they're getting a Coke. It's, my goodness. They must not love Jesus. Yeah, don't do that. You're missing the point. God may be leading them to do something completely different that may be way harder than what you're doing. So don't worry about them. It's what we tell our kids all the time. Don't worry about the other, your other siblings. Worry about you and what you're supposed to be doing and where God's leading you. Because God, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but we are all different. And so God speaks to us all in different ways and God guides us all in different ways and he's going to lead us to do different things. And if God's led you to do the same fast that, 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 that I've called and, and that I'm doing, Daniel chapter 10, no meat, eat, drinking only water, then do that. But if God told you to do something else, do something else. And don't look down on somebody who's doing something else. Because they're following the Lord just like you're supposed to be. And so let's follow the Lord together. The expectation from Jesus there in in Matthew chapter 6 was fast. Was just do it. How you do it is up to what God guides you and how God directs you. But the thing about that is sometimes, maybe this isn't you, maybe this is just me. When we fasted, I know when I have fasted, we can listen to the enemy and try to find loopholes in the fast. Say, well, I'm giving up this, so how can I try to, you know, finagle the rules a little bit 
you know, and find a way to actually get what I need and get what I want and get the flavors that I need and, and, and have it without really having it. Like, like, how can I push the boundaries a little bit of the fast and, and, you know, try to get the caffeine I need even though I'm not drinking coffee right now? Oh, Jesus. How can I get it without really getting it? But that's also missing the point. You know, I have those thoughts from time to time and immediately recognize where that's coming from uh, uh, faster now than I used to. Um, you see, the thing, fasting is supposed to help us realize our complete dependence on the Lord. And if we're trying to, if, if we spend or have spent a significant amount of time trying to find loopholes in the fast, then we're missing the point. There's not a dependence on the Lord if we're trying to use our own cleverness to get around being dependent on God. We, we're supposed to be completely, that's, that's why fasting is called a spiritual discipline, because it takes discipline to do it. It takes great discipline to do it, because you, you're forcing your body to realize, I need God to get me through this. Because if it were up to me, I would have been done day one. Wake up that morning, coffee pot's not on, I need to do that real quick. <laughs> if that's up to me, I'm, I'm giving in to this deal right now. But it's only through the power and strength of the Lord that we're going to make it through anything. No matter what you're fasting from. No matter what the Lord guides you to do. The only way you're going to get through it is with Jesus. Bringing you through it. But that's also how we get through anything in our lives. We're only going to make it with Jesus. If we try to spend this dedicated amount of time, mental energy, to try to get through and get around certain scenarios without Jesus, we're going to find it so much harder and more difficult than if we had just given in to him and allowed him to give us the strength to get through it. And so when we're fasting from something, when we're in the midst of a fast and the enemy comes and your stomach's growling, you probably couldn't hear it. Mine just did it <laughs> really loud. And your stomach's growling. How am I going to get through? Only with Jesus. Only with Jesus are you going to make it. No matter what it is you're, you're fasting from, you're, you're in the midst of a fast in. Because as a fast helps us find and better understand our dependence on the Lord, the enemy doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to understand that. He doesn't want you to get closer to God. And so he's going to try to bring every temptation to the forefront. He's going to try to bring every potential loophole to your mind so that you don't get close to God in every possible way. And so it's going to take an absolute reliance on God to get us through. That's the only possible way. And we have to, and, and fasting forces our body to realize we need God. We need him. We need him. It's the same way tithing is a spiritual discipline because it forces our, our brain to understand I need Jesus. And saying, I'm going to give him my money. But even in that, you have to understand, it's not really my money, but if I'm giving it to God, then I am in desperate need of him providing all of my needs. And so just like tithing, fasting is helping us understand we absolutely need him. 
We need his provision. We need his peace. We need his healing. We need his deliverance. And the only way we can have it is by looking to him and not to any other source. So flip over now to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I want to show you this. I read this a few weeks ago. And I wrote it down in my notebook. I said, man, I need to, when I preach on fasting, I got to preach on that. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Right in the middle of all these kings of Judah and kings of Israel. And most of them are bad. We got a few good ones. Well, here's a good one. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It says, starting in verse 1. After this, the Moabites... And the Ammonites, and with them some of the Munites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Jehoshaphat's the good king. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. Now, I want to point something out here. It said, Jehoshaphat was afraid. Because, don't read it now, but back in, it's, let's see, yeah, 2 Chronicles chapter 17, it lists out the size of Jehoshaphat's army. Jehoshaphat has over a million men in his army. Well over a million fighting men in his army. And now this other army's coming, and so you've got to imagine how big this other army is if Jehoshaphat and his million-man army are afraid of what's coming. And Jehoshaphat sees them, he hears what's coming, he knows the size of his army, so this other army's got to be huge, way, I mean, I would think a million's huge, but way beyond that, so much so that it sets him in fear. And he calls on a national fast, verse 4. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. Verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, and we will stand before this house and before you and before your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. That's actually a call back to a scripture some of you may be familiar with from Solomon when this temple was dedicated. And he said, if my people will humble themselves and they will come and they will seek my face, they will repent, I will hear from heaven. And so that's what he's saying. He says, I will cr- uh, and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. He's referencing back to that scripture there in that verse. I'll look at verse 10. And now the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us 
by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless, he said, powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. And here's the line of all lines. You need to underline this puppy. You need to put this on a post-it note and put it on your mirror. You need to memorize this last half of this verse. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He says, Jehoshaphat, with his million-man army, we are powerless against this great horde. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you, as they are in the midst of their fast. Verse 13. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. And the Spirit of God came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, son of Benaniah, son of Jael, son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. So the guy stands up to prophesy. Look what he says, verse 15. And he said, listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. So the prophecy says, this isn't your battle, this is God's battle. And he gives them specific coordinates of where to go. He says, this is where you're going to find them. If I'm Jehoshaphat, I'm thinking, I don't want to find them. I don't want them to find me. But the prophet's saying, this is where they're at. You need to go to that exact spot. He says, verse 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. So he says, you just need to stand there. He says, hold your ground. You just need to stand there and watch what God's going to do. You don't even need to bring a sword and a spear and a shield. Leave all your weapons at home. Show up to the battle because you're not fighting today. God's going to fight. This is his battle, not yours. This defies all logic to leave their weapons at home. This defies all logic to go to the battle unprepared to fight. But God said, do it. God said, this is what's going to happen because it's God's fight and not your fight, as they're in the midst of prayer, as they're in the midst of their fast. Verse 18. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa, and when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures Forever. Notice, we're going to read the next two verses, but notice he puts the singers in front of the army. 
The music team's in front of the fighters. You know, they're singing in front of, it's, it's like they're announcing, here we come, as they're praising God, the, the, the singers are in front of the army. Verse 22, and when they began to sing in praise, that's, this is very important, when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were routed. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Mount Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. God set a fight among the enemy, and they destroyed themselves. But notice the victory, the answer to Jehoshaphat's prayer and fasting did not come until after they praised God. They prayed, and then they praised, and then the answer came. Then deliverance came. The order is important. They praised God for what had not yet happened. They praised God for what had not yet come. They praised God when they were walking out in defiance of what all military strategists say you should do. Putting the singers up front, not the fighters. Going down there and singing and praising God. And they went down praising. And notice what Jehoshaphat had said in verse 20 and 21. He said, believe, have faith in God, and then praise God. Have faith and praise. They believed and they praised what had not yet occurred. You see, fasting set them up. It prepared their hearts for the faith they needed to find victory. It prepared them for what was coming. You see, that's what fasting does. Fasting prepares our faith for what is coming. Fasting prepares our faith. It gets us ready for what's coming. It gets us ready because remember what I said earlier, fasting helps us realize our dependence, our need for God, our complete understanding that we cannot do this life on our own and we need him. It forces us into that, that, that line of thinking. And so it prepares our faith for whatever comes next. Because what's coming next, we have no idea what's coming down the road this year. No idea what's coming down the road this year, just as we do every year. But as we've seen these last several years, as we as a church have started the year off with a fast, God has delivered in ways we never thought possible. Like I mentioned, bringing Amanda and then bringing Jared and bringing all of those, I mean, that, I don't know if y'all remember the month of October in 2021, the salvations that came every single week. It was crazy God delivering in, in remarkable ways. It shouldn't be crazy. It should be expectant. But what fasting does is it attunes us to what God would have for us. It gets us, sets us up, gets us ready for what God's going to do. So if you started to fast last week in whatever capacity you're fasting, maybe you're fasting like I am, maybe you're fasting in a completely different arena, or different way, great, fantastic. Or maybe you haven't done it yet, you've been weary and, and you've been, you know, you know, leery and it feels weird and God's been speaking to you saying, no, you need to do it and here's, a, here's how you need to be fasting. Well, we still got two weeks, two, two weeks left of this deal. You can start today if you haven't started yet. 
Maybe you meant to start last week and you kind of stumbled a little bit every single day to today. Well, start over today. It's a new day. You can start now and, and do it. It's going to be hard. I guarantee you, it's going to be hard. It is. You don't think I wasn't tempted every time I walked past the coffee pot in my kitchen? I need to, need, I need to put it in the cabinet. That's what I need to do. <laughs> uh, I can taste it. I'm like, mm. Oh, man. Or meat. Not eating meat. Although Katie did make this great thing the other night with, uh, what was it, edamame and what was the other thing? Chickpeas. Yeah, it was good. I liked it. Uh, and I wouldn't have thought that I would have liked Maybe it's because I hadn't had meat. But no, it was really good. It, and I didn't even put any barbecue sauce on it. It was, it was good. Uh, and I put barbecue sauce on everything. But I didn't know, that was good. Uh, however the Lord leads you to fast, start it now if you haven't yet. Because fasting is expected by Jesus for his followers. And it gets us ready for what God's going to do. It gets us spiritually ready for what he's going to do. You see, fasting is like, it's, it's, it's like preheating the oven. It gets us ready for whatever the Lord's got cooking. Gets us ready. If you put the dish in a cold oven, it's not going to cook. It's going to get messy and gross, and you're going to forget about it. Next time you turn the oven on, it's going to be in there. It's nasty. But if you preheat that oven and you pop that thing in there, it's going to be ready right on time. And so fasting, it prepares us, it preheats us for what the Lord's going to bring in 2023. And so I'm going to ask you, are you fasting with us? And if you haven't yet, will you start now? What is the Lord leading you to fast from? How is he leading you to fast? Don't try to loophole your way out of it. Don't try to make it easy on you. Fast from something that makes you dependent on the Lord. Because it sets you, it sets you up for, for a powerful faith that you honestly may not know was possible. Fasting is tied with prayer all throughout Scripture. It's always accompanying Scripture. Esther fasted and saw the Lord deliver. Nehemiah fasted and saw a pagan king's favor and saw a wall around an entire city built in 52 days. Fasting spiritually prepares you for something that you never thought you'd be able to accomplish. Will you fast with us? Will you fast with us? Maybe today it's not just that you need to fast and realize your dependence on the Lord. Maybe you need to realize your dependence on the Lord for the very first time. And you need to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you to make it through this life. Jesus, this year, 2023, I need you to bring me salvation and eternal life. And you need to believe in Jesus. Believe that he is God's son. That he died so all your sins would be forgiven. And he rose from the dead so that you can live after you die. Maybe now is the time. You need to believe in Jesus. We just celebrated Christmas. We just had the New Year celebration. And we're kicking off this new year. And now's the time to walk in it with Jesus. Will you believe today? Start today with the belief in Jesus. Will you believe? today. So wherever you find yourself in your spiritual journey, needing to believe in Jesus or needing to begin a fast or, or continue in a fast of dependence upon the Lord, walk with him wherever he leads you. Because I guarantee you, 
It's better where you're at. It's better than where you're at now. He always leads us into a better place. It may not even be on this earth. I guarantee you uh, where, what we've got coming in heaven is far better than what we got now, anything we got now. So it's always looking up if you're a follower of Jesus. Y'all pray with me. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that Jesus, you know, his expectation of us fasting doesn't come from a place of something he's never done, but he did it. He fasted in a way none of us have ever experienced. Dedicated 40 days and 40 nights of intense, not just fasting, but temptation from the devil himself. God, I pray that as we're in the midst of this fast, those of us who have already been going, that you would give us the strength to continue on, to, to persevere these next two weeks as we walk together in whatever capacity you would have us fast. God, help us not to loophole our way out of it, but to listen genuinely to you and what you would have for us and follow that direction. God, I pray that if we haven't yet started the fast, we would start now. And fast, again, however you would have us fast. Realizing our dependence on you. And God, if there's someone in the room or watching online right now who, who needs to understand their complete dependence on you for salvation, they would come to believe now. They wouldn't put it off. They wouldn't try to loophole their way out of it. They wouldn't say maybe next week, maybe, maybe next month, maybe once we get past this deal. But they would believe now. Believe in your death and resurrection, bringing us eternal life because of our, pen, our sins being paid for. God, I thank you for your deliverance, your healing, your strength. Thank you for prayer, opportunity to communicate with you. And God, we thank you for fasting, helping us better understand our need for you. And that in every season, whatever we're going through, even through a fast that is hard and difficult, that your grace is sufficient to get us through today. God, we thank you. In your name I pray, amen.